Well, good morning. Uh, if I did not shake your hand or give you a hug this morning, this is why. Uh, this is the last 24-hour development where I have a bunch of junk up here. So I apologize for that this morning. I'm going to continue to keep my distance from you. You do not want my cold. It's not fun, okay? Uh, we are on week three of Road Trip. So if you've been with us, you know we're walking through the book of Matthew because we want to learn directly from Jesus' life. So if you have your Bibles this morning with you, uh, open those up. We're going to be in Matthew chapter four. If you don't have a Bible, there's one right in front of you. Grab it, open up to Matthew chapter four, join us. Uh, so that you can see what we're reading this morning. I'm going to pray for us, and then we're going to jump in. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you for the opportunity it is to worship you this morning, to gather together as a church, uh, to be able to sing praises to you and to learn from your word. Holy Spirit, would you speak to our hearts this morning? Would you stir in us the same thing uh, that you were stirring in the first the disciples? Would you uh, teach us to learn from Jesus and his life, what it looks like to not only be a disciple, but to disciple others this morning? We love you, Jesus, and we're so very thankful for you coming to this earth, walking this earth, and showing us the way. We pray these things in your precious name. Amen. So as a freshman in high school, I joined the swim team. I was one of nine freshmen that joined the swim team. And uh, out of the nine freshmen, for some reason, the group of seniors uh, really came after me uh, in the sense of just wanting to include me in their lives. Uh, one particular individual, Scott Johnson, Scott, used to just uh, pursue me. He used to just want to hang out with me as a senior. That was a weird thing for me as a freshman. I mean, I, I, I loved it, right? Like it was a senior guy who wanted to hang out with me. Yes. Uh, but, my, but Scott at some point made a decision that like he was going to communicate to my mom that he would pick me up at 5.15 in the morning to take me to swim practice before school and that he would bring me home after about 6.15 p.m. after we had after school practice. And so we just started hanging out very regularly. He made a decision to start inviting me into hanging out with them on Friday nights. I mean, I was going out with seniors as a freshman to hang out on Friday nights. I thought I was big stuff, okay? Um, it even got to the point where like, he would just call and say, hey, we're gonna hang out. Like one time, I remember this particular time because I thought my mom had lost her mind, okay? Uh, Scott called me about 9.30 on a Friday night. I wasn't doing anything that night. He's like, hey, I need you to dress in all black. We're coming to get you in about 20 minutes. And I'm like, okay, so I dress in all black. I go downstairs and I'm like, hey, mom, Scott's coming to get me at 9.30 and we're going out. He told me to wear all black. And she's like, okay, honey, have a great time. And I'm like, what is wrong with you? Like, I'm the high school kid who knows this is, shouldn't be okay, right? She trusted Scott through and through for some reason. And, uh, and he, we went out that night. We did get in a little bit of trouble. Um, but... She trusted him. And so Scott then made the decision at some point to say, hey, Lance, you should go to church with us, youth group to, with us. I, I said, no, not once, not twice, but I told him five times, no, I'm not doing that. And then uh, Scott made the decision to just tell me, hey, this Wednesday, we're going to swim practice. The guys and us, we're going to Taco Bell, and then we're going to youth group, and you're coming with us. It wasn't like a question. It wasn't like, hey, do you want to? It was just he made a decision like, you're going to do this. I was a freshman, okay? I, did, I had to do anything, he said. And we were going to Taco Bell, okay? So I was all in. A couple months later, Scott made the decision to tell me about Jesus. And tell me what God's word said about Jesus. To tell me what Jesus meant to him. To tell me how Jesus changed his life. 
which ultimately led to a few months later, me being on a trip called Creston Youth where I made a decision to follow Jesus. But all those decisions that Scott made led to my discipleship and ultimately me accepting Jesus as my Lord and Savior. And what I want us to understand today is this, and we see this in the life of Jesus in Matthew 4, is that discipleship is a decision. Discipleship is a decision. Discipleship isn't just gonna happen naturally. It's not just gonna happen, happen. It's not gonna just, well, you know what? I took my kid to church every week on Sunday and discipleship just happened. Like that, that's typically not how it works. It's a decision. And if it's a decision, then one thing we need to do is we need to stop and pause and make sure we all understand what discipleship is. And so the great part about this is that the definition I use for a disciple comes out of Matthew chapter four. So if you will look with me at uh, verse 19, this is a part of our story today, but I'm going to jump into the middle and then we'll go back to the beginning. But I think this declares and defines for us what a disciple is. Jesus called out to them, verse 19, come follow me. So first and foremost, a disciple is someone who knows and follows Jesus. Right? Somebody who knows and follows Jesus. So one of the first things for us to understand is if we're going to be a disciple, we have to know who he is and we have to choose to follow him. Right? There's a lot of different ways we can do that, a lot of different things we can follow in this world, but Jesus is the one that is worth following. He is calling us into this idea of being a disciple. So come follow me. And then he says, and I will show you. Other versions of the Bible say, I will make you. So the second thing is the disciple uh, knows and follows Jesus, but a disciple also is being changed by Jesus. And this is a big church world word we use is sanctification, right? The becoming like Jesus over the whole of our life, the whole of our life. We want to become more and more like him. And so how do we do that? Well, he, we, spending time with him changes us and makes us more like him. And then last, come follow me. I will show you how to fish for people. So a disciple uh, is someone who knows and follows Jesus. A disciple is someone who is being changed by Jesus. And a disciple is someone who joins the mission of Jesus. Is committed to that mission of Jesus. So that's what we, when we talk about today, when I talk about discipleship, now, that is the idea that we help somebody else do this. We help somebody else know and follow Jesus. We help somebody else be changed by Jesus. We help somebody else commit to the mission of Jesus. And so that's what a disciple means. It's, it's just to recap, make sure we all got it, right? A disciple knows and follows Jesus, is being changed by Jesus, and is committed to the mission of Jesus. And this is the thing. Jesus, this is what Jesus was about, this is why he came. This is when, this is from the start of his earthly ministry. He jumps in right here. And so let's take a look at some of the decisions Jesus made as we read Matthew chapter four, starting in verse 12. When Jesus heard that John had been arrested, he left Judea and returned to Galilee. He went first to Nazareth, then left there to move and moved to Capernaum beside the Sea of Galilee and the region of Zebulun and Naphtali. This fulfilled all that God had said through the prophet Isaiah and the land of Zebulun and Naphtali beside the sea beyond the Jordan River and the, in Galilee where so many Gentiles live. The people who sat in darkness have seen a great light. And for those who lived in the land where death cast its shadow, a light has shined. I'm gonna pause right there. So 
the first decision we see. We see Jesus make these discipleship decisions. And the first one we see is that Jesus made a decision to leave Judea and go to Galilee. And when you first read that, you might think, well, why would he make that decision? This is the Jewish Messiah and King. And in Judea, this is full of Jews. Like this is the home of the Jews. And so this is where you would think that that King and Messiah would sit and stay. But instead he chooses as he begins his earthly mission to leave Judea and go to Galilee. Now Galilee is known as Galilee of the Gentiles. Let's go ahead and define a Gentile. Make sure we're all on the same page this morning. A Gentile is not Jewish, okay? Like that's the easiest I can explain what a Gentile is. Like not full-blooded Jewish. Now, in, in this room uh, at today, because I don't see him, uh, we are 100% Gentile, okay? Most likely. There's one, one individual in our congregation who I know, both of his parents are fully Jewish. He's a full, full was raised Jewish. Um, maybe you are, maybe not, but if you were not, raised Jewish by two fully Jewish people, then you are a Gentile, okay? And here's the thing. What we need to understand is that at this time, at the New Testament, uh, there were, the Gentiles were not friends of Jews. Jews were not friends of Gentiles. It tells us here that he went to the region of Zebulun and Naphtali. These are two of the 10 Northern regions that were overthrown by the Assyrians in the Old Testament. And when the Assyrians moved in and overthrew them, uh, no longer were they full-blown Jews because the Assyrians started to intermarry with these Jewish people. And as they started to intermarry, they became less and less full-blown Jews. And that's why he uses this Old Testament prophecy by Isaiah. It says, uh, in that land, the people who sat in darkness have seen a great light. And for those who lived in the land where death cast its shadow, a light has shined. Because you see, this was, uh, they were outcasts. They were, they, were, they were not considered to be worthy of God by the Jews. And so worn, torn, Jewish denied, half-breeds, they lived in these towns. And where does Jesus choose to go first? He goes to Galilee, to the Gentiles. And we're reading this from the most Jewish writer we have of the gospels, Matthew. And so why is he making this point as he starts in on Jesus' earthly mission? It's because of this. Jesus was about those who didn't know God. Jesus moved towards those who were the furthest from God. And Jesus made a decision to go after you could say the one, right? He's going after those who don't know who he is, not the religious, not the full-blown Jew. Jesus was about discipleship. And so he is going from the outset of his ministry, he's going to the place where the people need God the most. That's the example he sets for us. Jesus made a decision to move closer to those who are far from God. That's what discipleship is about. But does the second decision he makes, Jesus makes the decision to preach, repent, and turn to God. Verse 17, from then on, Jesus began to preach, repent of your sins and turn to God for the kingdom of heaven is near. And John had started this message and here we know Jesus is now picking it up knowing that John had been arrested he says, hey, you need to repent. And so if we ask the question, like, what's it take to get into the kingdom of heaven? Here it is. Repent and turn to God. But believe in your heart and confess with your mouth and accept that he did this for you and you're good. 
So this past week, I got to spend five days in Havana, Cuba. Talk about stepping back in time. Like that is a wild place to visit. And I went on a mission trip with my son um, and 31 other dads and sons. And we got the opportunity through Filter of Hope to enter into homes and give them a filter, give them clean water. Uh, but through that filter, be able to present the gospel. And so the first house we went to was a guy named Orlando. And, and he said, for short, his friends called him Landy. So that's what we called him was Landy. Uh, we presented the filter to him and showed him how it worked. He was shocked. I was shocked. It was the first one. I didn't really know if the filter was going to work or not, right? Like, <laughs> it did. Um, and through this filter, we're showing and we're, we're sharing the gospel with him. I'm like, hey, here's this dirty uh, water that has infection in it. And we actually poured dirt into the water to make it visually dirty. Uh, and we'd be like, hey, you want to drink this? And of course, they'd be like, no, no, I don't want to drink that. Uh, and then we would... Say, when it passed through this filter, this filter is just like Jesus, um, you know, cleans and cleanses our life. And then on the other side, it is this clean water. And then we would take a drink and then we pour another cup and give it to them. And at the end of it, Landy looked at us and he said, hey, I, I want to be honest with you because I'm so thankful you're here. I'm thankful for this filter. I'm thankful you came from the United States to visit me. He said, but I've been an alcoholic since I was 11 years old. I've worked as a bartender most of my life. And I'm willing to tell you today that I believe in the God that you're talking about. And I'm willing to give him everything but alcohol. I give him everything but alcohol. And, and I just thought to myself in that moment, like, Landy doesn't have an alcohol issue. He has a sin issue. And he has, even more so than that, a, a bad theolog theological issue. Because Landy thought that he had somehow solved his alcoholism before he could come to Jesus or be a part of the church. He's been told that by the church. So as a pastor, I stepped forward and I said, Landy, I'm a pastor in the United States and I just want to tell you, I'm sorry that the church has communicated that to you. Because you see your sin of alcoholism, it, that's what qualifies you for a savior. His name's Jesus. That's who we just told you about. And, and truthfully, without him, uh, there's probably no hope, right? But with him, he can do what? He can change you, disciple, to know and follow and to be changed by Jesus. Like, and so I said, really all it takes is to, to, to confess and to admit that you believe in your heart and, and you confess it with your mouth and then you can start this journey and Jesus will start working on you in that way. And he just looked at us with tears in his eyes and he said, I just don't think I can do it today. We left the house and, and ever since I've been praying for Landy. That he would understand that that, that is what qualifies. If, if you don't need saving from any sin, you don't need a savior. You don't need Jesus. You've got to figure it out. See, Jesus knew that the Jews felt that way. And so that's why he went to the Gentiles because the Gentiles, they're like, here we are. This is it. This is our, here's our sin, Right? This might be, I, I, a little risk to say this to a room full of adults, but this might be the biggest difference between working with students and working for, with adults. Because these students, they'll just straight up tell you, like, this is how I'm sinful. I don't know what to do about it. Help me. Sometimes us as adults, we're like, ah, I don't really, I got it all together. I'm good. And you and I both know you're not. And I sit there and just smile at you. I'm like, okay. 
Just let me know when you want to talk about it, right? <laughs> Kids, are, the students are like, here it is. What do you want me to do with this? You know, like, and that's what I miss about students, honestly, if I'm going to be truthful up here today. So Jesus makes a decision to go to those who are far from God. Jesus made a decision to preach, repent, and turn to God because discipleship includes a call for repentance. But then there's another decision he makes. Verse 18, on the first day, excuse me, one day, as Jesus was walking along the shore, the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who was also called Peter and Andrew, throwing their nets into the water for they were fishermen for a living. Jesus called out to them, come, follow me and I will show you how to fish for people. And they left their nets at once and followed him. A little farther up the shore, he saw two brothers, James and John, sitting in a boat with their father Zebedee repairing their nets. And he called to them to come too. And immediately they followed him, leaving their boats behind and their father as well. Jesus traveled throughout the region of Galilee, teaching in the synagogues and announcing the good news about the kingdom. And he healed every kind of disease and illness. News about him spread as far as Syria. And the people soon began to bring all to him, excuse me, all, to him, all who were sick. And whatever their sickness or disease, or if they were demon-possessed or epileptic or paralyzed, he healed them all. Large crowds followed him wherever he went. People from Galilee, the ten towns, Jerusalem, and all over Judea, from the east of the Jordan River. So Jesus makes a decision to choose a disciple. Jesus makes a decision to choose the disciples. Now, when I, when I used to read this passage, uh, I would always think this is the craziest story. You know, like these guys are just out fishing and some guy named Jesus walks along and says, hey, come follow me and I'll show you how to fish for people. And then they just get up and go, right? And I'm like, what is happening? Why would you make that decision? Now, Years ago, I began studying scripture in a little bit more depth and realized this isn't actually the first time that they had experienced Jesus, right? In fact, in, in Luke chapter one, Peter interacts with Jesus because Peter comes to the shore and says, hey, can I borrow your boat for a minute? I need to teach all these people. So they push out from shore and Jesus begins teaching and, and Peter's in his boat and he's listening to Jesus teach. And then when he finishes teaching, Jesus is like, Hey, Peter, let's go out a little further because I want you to cast your nets. And Peter's like, Hey dude, I just let you borrow my boat. We caught nothing all night. This is not far enough to cast nets. That's a dumb idea. And Jesus is like, let's just, just try it, you know? And then Peter's like, okay, fine. So they do that. And what happens? He can't pull it. He fills two full boats of fish. So, so Peter's seen not only his teacher heard his teaching, but he's seen his miracles. And then in Luke chapter five, we're told that Andrew and Peter uh, are standing there listening to maybe even there the day that Jesus was baptized. And as Jesus walks by, John's like, there he is. That's, that's the guy you need to follow. And so they both leave John the Baptist and begin, and they were following John the Baptist. And now they leave him and go start to follow Jesus. So when Jesus comes and says this, uh, it, it's this, understanding that we need to have about a rabbi. I did a paper in college about how rabbis chose their disciples, the people who would follow them. Um, a rabbi would often have a teacher of law, would often have a, a lot of people who would follow them. In fact, we knew Jesus had at least 72 other people who followed him uh, from one time or another during his ministry. And as these people would follow the rabbi, the rabbi would get to know them. And as the rabbi would get to know them, they would look for 
a couple things. One, characteristics of themselves in that person. They would look for faithfulness to them as a teacher. They would look at, at them for a servant's heart, but, but probably the most, the greatest thing they would look for is like, is there something that I can draw out and teach this person to have that I have? And so Jesus, as he chooses these disciples, that's what he's doing. And now I know Scott Johnson was not, you know, the Messiah, nor is he rabbi, but in high school, I think that's why he chose to hang out with me because he and I were all very similar. I think he saw something in me that he said, you know what? I can probably explain the gospel to this kid. I could probably help him see his need for a savior. And so I'm going to hang out and draw close to him. That's what a rabbi would do. And so rabbi, there was something about Peter and Andrew and James and John that Jesus looked at them and said, that's something I can develop. That's something I can use. That's something I can help them see the way in which God could use them. And so he chooses them. Jesus made a decision to choose who to disciple. These are decisions that he made uh, at the beginning of his ministry towards what? Towards discipleship. Towards uh, helping people know who he was, follow him, help him change them, and for them to join into the mission that Jesus had. And we see that. We watch the rest of the Gospels. We're going to watch these men be changed by Jesus. We're going to watch these men catch the vision for the mission so that when Jesus is gone, who carries the mission? The disciples do. That's what it looks like to be a disciple of Jesus. And so the, the, it makes me wonder this question. Like, are you a disciple of Jesus? Are you making daily decision to be discipled by Jesus? How do we do that? Well, Jesus obviously isn't walking this earth any longer. Well, we do that through this right here. Through this. This is the greatest way you can get to know Jesus is by getting into this every single day. If you want to be discipled by Jesus, read about his life. Learn about the way he acted, the way he responded, what he chose to do, what he prioritized. I've learned in my discipleship by Jesus is that he would get up early and draw away from everybody, including the disciples and spend time in prayer. So the way I do this and disciple by Jesus is at 5.30 in the morning. No, I'm not telling you that because I want you to be impressed. It's not impressive. You don't want to see me at 5.30 in the morning, okay? Like it's before everybody gets up. It's quiet in the house. It's before I have to interact with anybody else. I spend time with Jesus, Every day? No, you can ask my wife. Not perfect every day, right? Do I try every day? Yes, I try every day. Because why? Because this is the most important relationship I have. I want to wake up in the morning and be discipled by Jesus before I walk out and try to disciple anybody else. And you, so you have to make a decision to be discipled by Jesus. And in order to do that, and I'd be willing to bet, and here I, I'm willing to bet that if I could take, I could ask you for your phone, now, you probably wouldn't trust me with your phone, and that's it's fair, okay? But I asked you for your phone, and I look at your calendar. I can see what's important to you this week. I can see uh, who you're having lunch with. I can see the meetings that you have going on. I can see the family events you got, practices, games. I can see everything that's important on your schedule. And so if, if we're talking about the most important thing for us as disciples of Christ, why is your time with Jesus not scheduled in there? 
would I see at any point in your schedule that says, time with Jesus. It's a, if you know me at all, you would know that like I get up and I, I start going from the second I wake up. Like I, I love the mornings. But the, the, the suffering part of loving the mornings is three o'clock p.m. Because that's when I, I wish I, I, I was, you know, Latin American and we had siesta, okay? Like, you ask Hannah, Hannah's worked with me for years. Uh, and she would never ask me a question at three. She'd just give me a solid 30 to 45 minutes before she'd ask me another question because she knew from three to 3.30, I'm like, so what is, happens at three on my alarm every day? Reset. Go spend time with Jesus. Go get away. Take a reset. Because not only at 5.30 is it scheduled for me to spend time with Jesus, but at three, it's set reset. Think about the second half of your day. Pray through the second half of your day. You're getting ready to go home. What did the kids have today? What did your wife have today? Like I, I reset at three, and that's not always. Sometimes I'm in meetings, but like I reset, but I schedule it. You have to make a decision to schedule that time of discipleship with Jesus. And once you have that figured out, you're ready to move on to step two, which is discipling someone else. And so you have to make a decision to move towards someone who is far from God, to, rep to preach, repent for the kingdom of heaven is near and ask them if you can disciple them in a relationship with Jesus. Now you're probably like, I can move close to them. That's good. Maybe I could get to the place where I could tell them to repent. But I don't know about this whole discipleship thing, right? Well, here's the thing. It's as easy as this. Share with them what you're learning. Share with them what Jesus is doing in your own life. This is why you have to have your own time in discipleship with Jesus. Because if you are, then it's easy as, hey, this is what I'm learning. Why don't you come learn it with me? Hey, this is what Jesus is teaching me right now. Why don't, why can't, why don't we just learn this together? That's what it looks like. But at some point you have to make a decision that I'm going to disciple somebody else. And listen, this is the call on our life this is what the end goal of a disciple of Christ is for. It, it, it's not about just showing up on Sunday morning. I keep saying that. I feel like I keep saying that to you because I want you to understand that, that it's more than this. Like if you're, and here's what I'm fearful of. I'm fearful that you're bored with your faith. Like it's, it's something I do on Sunday and it's great for Sunday, but then I'm just kind of bored throughout the week because I don't really, this doesn't really come alive for me. If that's true, then what I'd say is, I don't think you're being discipled. I definitely would say, you're not discipling anybody. This is why, because when you disciple somebody else, it is not boring. It is like the furthest thing from boring. It's challenging, it's stretching. They ask questions you don't know the answer to. You dive deeper into scripture. Like it is anything but boring to be discipled and to disciple somebody else. And so I, I, I share this last story. It's from high school too. Hi, kiddos, you get to hear a story from me way back in the day, right? A few years after I accepted Jesus with Scott, Scott just investing in me. Uh, my buddy and I, Dwayne, we saw this kid that was new to our school. His name's Todd. And you could tell he didn't have anywhere to belong. Like he was bouncing from friend group to friend group. He seemed like a cool guy. The best I can describe him is like, he's like, he was like straight out of Hollister. Okay. 
Like, it's the best thing I can do. Like, he had, like, shaggy hair. At that time, shaggy hair was cool. Like, shaggy hair. Uh, like, he, he just dressed differently than everybody else dressed. It was like, where is this guy from? You know? Like, he was very unique. And so, Dwayne and I decided, hey, you know what? We're going to move towards him. And so, we just said, hey, Todd, uh, we want to know if you want to hang out with us Friday night. And he was, like, shocked. He was like, yes, I would love to hang out with you. So, we hang out with him. Well, we quickly figured out that, like, He's not only like out of Hollister magazine, but he also, uh, he can play the guitar by ear. So like any song we played for him, he could just pick up the guitar and he could play it right back to us. Like never having played it before. So then we stopped hanging out with him because we hated him at that point. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) I did hate him a little bit at that point, okay? We kept hanging out with him. And so finally, after a couple months of hanging out with him, we're like, hey, Todd, it was a Friday night. Uh, we were at Steak and Shake. And I said, we said, hey, for, hey Todd, we want to, to tell you about something that's something really important to, to Dwayne and I. And that's Jesus. And like, this is, you know, like you say you have a whole lot of fun with us and we're different. Like, this is why we're different. And in fact, we want you to come with us to youth group and start to learn about Jesus with us. Like, would you be willing to come to youth group with us? And unlike me, he was like, yeah, I'll come with you. I was like, okay, sweet, that was easy. You know, like, I think I told Scott five, 10 times, no. So he started coming with us. And before long, we started a little Bible study, just the three of us before schools on Thursday at Chick-fil-A. And we just sit and eat chi- you know, chicken nuggets or chicken minis, God's chicken. And then we'd, we'd say God's word. And great things would happen. And, uh, and all of a sudden, we're inviting him to the same trip that I had accepted Jesus on. And before we even got to the trip, he was so fired up about Jesus and learning about Jesus on one Thursday morning, like right before school ended, he's like, I am in. I want, what, I want to do this. I want what you guys have. I want to accept Jesus as my Lord and Savior. So Todd was baptized. We went to CIY that summer and it was unbelievable. He was on fire. Now listen, I had no idea what we were doing then. This was literally like two high school guys that just got really lucky in actually discipling someone. But now when I look back on it, I'm like, that is exactly what it looks like. To hang out with someone who doesn't know Jesus, that's far from him. To start to share what it looks like to follow Jesus, what Jesus means to you. To invite them in, to come into church with you and learning about Jesus. It's as, it's as easy as that. And let me tell you, if you're bored in your faith, then you need to step into discipleship. Because it's anything but boring. It's absolutely exhilarating. It's so much fun. Yes, it's nerve wracking at times and heartbreaking at others, but it's also unbelievably encouraging. It's exactly what Jesus entered into when he started his ministry on earth with these four guys and eventually 12. And so today what we wanna do is we wanna end the service thinking about the one. You have a one you've been praying for and it should be somebody who doesn't know Jesus. And so today we're gonna to stop and we're gonna take our minute to pray. But this is what I want you to ask. God, what do I need to do to enter into discipleship with this one individual in my life? Like what step do I need to take so that I can enter into a discipleship relationship? Because here at the deal, discipleship's a decision. You either decide to disciple somebody or you decide not to disciple somebody. There's not like, well, I'm just going to hang out here in the gray area. That, that, that's not an option. You either are a disciple who's discipling or you are a disciple who's not discipling. Or worse, you're not a disciple who isn't discipling. My hope and prayer and our goal and our desire at this church is for you to be a disciple who is discipling. So ask God, what do I need to do? What step do I need to take? 
in order to disciple my one. We're going to give you a minute to do that, and then we're going to respond in song. So go ahead and take that minute now. Let's pray.